Chapter Five of the Gloved Hand by Burton E. Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Five: A Call for Help. For heaven's sake, Swain! I said, sit down and pull yourself together. But he did not seem to hear me. Instead, he read the letter through again. Then he turned toward me. How did you get this, Mister Lester? He asked i found it lying under the trees it had been thrown over the wall but how did you know it was thrown over by miss vaughan that was an easy guess i said sparring feebly who else would attempt to conduct a surreptitious correspondence with a handsome young man but he did not smile the look of intensity in his eye deepened come mr lester he protested don't play with me i have a right to know the truth what right i queried he paused an instant as though nerving himself to speak as though asking himself how much he should tell me then he came toward me impulsively miss vaughan and i are engaged to be married he said some persons may tell you that the engagement has been broken off more than once i have offered to release her but she refuses to be released we love each other the word love is a difficult one for us anglo-saxons to pronounce the voice in which swain uttered it brought me to my feet with outstretched hand if there's anything i can do for you my boy i said tell me thank you mr lester and he returned my clasp you have done a great deal already in giving me this letter so promptly the only other thing you can do is to permit me to stay here until to-night until to-night miss vaughan asks me to meet her to-night in her father's grounds yes unknown to him yes he is not friendly to you no i had a little struggle with myself see here swain i said sit down and let us talk this thing over calmly before i promise anything i should like to know more of the story from the glimpse i caught of miss vaughan i could see that she is very beautiful and she also seemed to me to be very young she is nineteen said swain her father is wealthy i suppose very wealthy and her mother is dead yes well i began and hesitated fearing to wound him i know what you are thinking swain burst in and i do not blame you you are thinking that she is a young beautiful and wealthy girl while i am a poverty-stricken nonentity without any profession and able to earn just enough to live on perhaps i couldn't even do that if i had to buy my clothes you are thinking that her father is right to separate us and that she ought to be protected from me isn't that it yes i admitted something like that and i answer mr lester by saying that all that is true that i am not worthy of her and that nobody knows it better than i do there are thousands of men who could offer her far more than i can and who would be eager to offer it but when i asked her to marry me i thought myself the son of a wealthy man when i found myself a pauper i wrote at once to release her she replied that when she wished her release she would ask for it that it wasn't my money she was in love with then i came out here and had a talk with her father he was kind enough but pointed out that the affair could not go further until i had established myself i agreed of course i agreed too when he suggested that it would only be fair to her to leave her free not to see her or write to her or try to influence her in any way i wanted to be fair to her since then i have not seen her nor heard from her but her father's feelings have changed toward me in what way i thought he might be interested to know what i was doing and two or three months ago i called and asked to see him 
instead of seeing me he sent word back by a black-faced fellow in a white robe that neither he nor his daughter wished to see me again his face was red with the remembered humiliation i wrote to miss vaughan once after that he added but my letter was not answered evidently she didn't get your letter why do you think so if she had got it she would have known that you were no longer at ten ten fifth avenue her father no doubt kept it from her he flushed still more deeply and started to say something but i held him silent he was justified in keeping it i said you had promised not to write to her and i don't see that you have given me any reason why i should assist you against him i haven't swain admitted more calmly and under ordinary circumstances my self-respect would compel me to keep away i am not a fortune hunter but i can't keep away i can't stand on my dignity when she calls for aid i must go to her not for my own sake but for hers because she needs to be protected from her father far more than from me what do you mean by that i demanded mr lester he said leaning forward in his chair and speaking in a lowered voice and with great earnestness her father is mad i am sure of it no one but a madman would live and dress as he does no one but a madman would devote his whole time to the study of the supernatural no one but a madman would believe in the supernatural as he does but i shook my head i'm afraid that won't do swain a good many fairly sane people believe in the supernatural and devote themselves to its study there is william james for instance but william james doesn't dress in flowing robes and worship the sun and live with a hindu mystic no i smiled he doesn't do that and i thought again of the mysterious light and of the two white-clad figures does he live with a hindu mystic yes said swain bitterly an adept or whatever they call it he's the fellow who kicked me out does he speak english better than i do he seems a finely educated man is he a lunatic too swain hesitated i don't know he said finally i only saw him once and i was certainly impressed i wasn't one two three with him i suppose mysticism comes more or less natural to a hindu but i'm convinced that mr vaughan has softening of the brain how old is he about sixty has he always been queer he has always been interested in telepathy and mental suggestion and all that sort of thing but before his wife's death he was fairly normal it was her death that started him on this supernatural business he hasn't thought of anything else since are there any relatives who could be asked to interfere none that i know of i thought over what he had told me well i said at last i can see no harm in your meeting miss vaughan and finding out what the condition of affairs really is if her father is really mad he may be a good deal worse now than he was when you saw him last it would of course be possible to have his sanity tested but his daughter would scarcely wish to do that no of course not swain agreed her letter tells you nothing nothing except that she is in great trouble and wishes to see me at once you are to go to the house no there is an arbor in one corner of the grounds she says that she will be there at eleven thirty every night for three nights after that she says it will be no use for me to come that it will be too late what does she mean by too late i have no idea he answered and turned to another anxious perusal of the letter i turned the situation over in my mind evidently miss vaughan believed that she had grave cause for alarm and yet it was quite possible she might be mistaken she was being urged to consent to something against her will but perhaps it was for her own good in any event i had seen no indication that her consent was being sought by violence 
there must be no interference on our part until we were surer of our ground well swain i said at last i will help you on one condition what is that you will meet miss vaughan to-night and hear her story but you will take no action until you and i have talked the matter over she herself says that she has three days i went on as he started to protest so there is no necessity for leaping in the dark and i would point out to you that she is not yet of age but is still under her father's control she is nineteen he protested in this state the legal age for women as for men is twenty-one the law requires a very serious reason for interfering between a child and its father moreover i added she must not be compromised if you persuade her to accompany you to-night where would you take her in no case will i be a party to an elopement i will do all i can to prevent it he took a short turn up and down the room his hands clenched behind him mr lester he said at last stopping before me i want you to believe that i have not even thought of an elopement that would be too base too unfair to her but i see you are right she must not be compromised and you promise to ask my advice suppose i make such a promise what then if you make such a promise and i agree with you as to the necessity for miss vaughan to leave her father i think i can arrange for her to stay with mr and mrs royce for a time there she will be safe should legal proceedings become necessary our firm will help you i want to help you swain i added warmly but i must be convinced that you deserve help that's reasonable isn't it yes he agreed and held out his hand and i promise good and now for the arrangements two twelve-foot ladders were necessary one for either side of the wall but beyond a short step-ladder the place possessed none except the long one by which godfrey and i had mounted into the tree swain suggested that this might do for one but i felt that it would better stay where it was and sent hargus over to yonkers to buy two new ones instructing him to bring them back with him then swain and i reconnoitred the wall and chose for the crossing a spot where the glass escarpment seemed a little less formidable than elsewhere you can step from one ladder to the other i pointed out without touching the top of the wall a mere touch would be dangerous in the dark he nodded his agreement and finally we went back to the house getting there we found suddenly that we had nothing more to say swain was soon deep in his own thoughts and i must confess that after the first excitement i began to find the affair a little wearying another man's love affair is usually wearying and besides that the glimpse which i had caught of marjorie vaughan made me think that she was worthy of a bigger fish than swain would ever be he was right in saying that there were thousands of men who had more to give her and who would be eager to give i examined swain as he sat there staring at nothing with eyes not wholly friendly he was handsome enough but in a stereotyped way and he was only an insignificant clerk with small prospect of ever being anything much better for he had started the battle of life too late honest of course honourable clean-hearted but commonplace with a depth of soul easily fathomed i know now that i was unjust to swain but at the moment my scrutiny of him left me strangely depressed a rattle of wheels on the drive brought us both out of our thoughts it was hargus returning with the ladders i had him hang them up against the shed where he kept his gardening implements for i did not wish him to suspect the invasion we had planned then just to kill time and get away from swain i spent an hour with hargus in his garden and finally came the summons to dinner an hour later as we sat on the front porch smoking and still finding little or nothing to say mrs hargus came out to bid us good night 
mr swain can use the bedroom next to yours mr lester she said perhaps he won't stay all night i said if he does i'll show him the way to it and thank you very much mrs hargis is there anything else i can do sir no thank you mr godfrey will be here a little before midnight at least that's his usual time we'll wait up for him i said good night mrs hargis good night sir and she went back into the house i have never passed through a longer nor more trying hour than the next one was and i could tell by the way swain twitched about in his chair that he felt the tedium as much as i once or twice i tried to start a conversation but it soon trickled dry and we ended by smoking away moodily and staring out into the darkness at last swain sprang to his feet i can't stand this any longer he said i'm going over the wall i struck a match and looked at my watch it isn't eleven o'clock yet i warned him i don't care perhaps she'll be ahead of me anyway i might as well wait there as here come on then i agreed for i felt myself that another such hour would be unendurable together we made our way back to the shed and took down the ladders a moment later we were at the wall swain placed his ladder against it and mounted quickly to the top as he paused there i handed him up the other one he caught it from my hands lifted it over the wall and lowered it carefully on the other side as he did so i heard him give a muffled exclamation of mingled pain and annoyance and knew that he had cut himself not bad is it i asked no only a scratch on the wrist he answered shortly and the next instant he had swung himself over the wall and disappeared end of chapter five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com